He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bellottified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bellotta, and I'm here every week, as I am, with the always delicious, always optimistic, Alexia Cristina Postalidis. Opa! Opa, Yasu, my friend. Yes. How are you? I'm I'm well today. You know, it's a, another Tuesday afternoon and it's a beautiful day out, so there's no reason to be anything but joyful. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Well, Plus, we have some fabulous people waiting for us to get to them. So uh, it's going to be a fun conversation. Yes. Two things to report today. Um, you know, some bad news and some good news. I'll start with the bad news. And that okay. is that uh, just give, I send condolences and we all hopefully join in in sharing our condolences to the family of Harry Belafonte, who yeah. passed away at 96 oh, God years bless. old. Yes, God bless. Right. Uh, and uh, the good news is that today we were informed that the one and only Cindy Lauper is making herself available for corporate Yay. dates. Officially. Yeah. Officially. You know where so she's right. from, don't you? Uh, I should, but I don't. Where's she from? She's from Queens, New York, not Brooklyn, but Queens. So we'll let it go. Queens, Close. right, exactly. We'll just let it go. And I just want to say, mom, I hope you're having your dance and your song with Harry because he was it for her. Oh, she uh, loved that man. So wow. hopefully she's finally getting to meet him. Aw. Before we get started, let's get tipsy. Let's get tipsy. Today's tipsy is for anyone running a hospitality based small business. It's a gentle reminder to always be looking down the road for future business despite being involved, enveloped by the needs of current business, especially if you'd like to climb your way out of a cycle of short-term sprint to the end deadlines so common today. It's hard to think about future business when you feel like you're drowning, I get it. But it's a lot easier to drown if you're not, as Mandy Graziano would say, looking up. And if you're not looking up, you're likely missing out on opportunities with longer lead times. There's no magic formula, and in today's rapidly changing economic landscape, the future is hard to predict. But rather than dig a hole, try using the 80-20 rule to help you carve out a chunk of your work day, work week, work month, however you choose to do it, into a palatable 20% chunk devoted to the pursuit of future business. 
If you think that's just not possible, then please consider the many available avenues for finding business from attending association events and events within markets you'd like to break into to engaging your LinkedIn, IG, and Facebook contacts, spending 20% of your time, your work time, unearthing potential opportunities and planting seeds about what you do and how you can be of benefit will eventually lead to more Horizon business. And that is my tipsy. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead, we'll give you a sec. Why, thank you. Returning to our show after her fabulous interview on episode 38, please welcome the founder, CEO, and creative director of Event Show Productions, the beautiful and talented Doreen Collier. Here I am. And also gracing us against with her presence after her spectacular appearance on episode 14, we have the president and partner of Empire Force Events, the stunning and beloved Jacqueline Bernstein. Honored. We love it. That's perfect. Thank That's you. That's perfect for you. And last, but certainly not least, joining us for the first time is the award-winning, internationally recognized event producer, industry speaker, former executive director of MGM Resorts Event Productions, and longtime instructor of the International School of Hospitality. Please welcome the chief experiential architect for Lenny Tallarico events, the diversely talented Lenny Tallarico. Wow. Thank you. What, a, what an introduction. Salute. Yes. Thank you very, very much. How kind of you. That was a beautiful introduction. Thank you, Alex. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. And thank you all for joining us today. I want her on my answering machine. <laughs> I do that for a living as well. So anytime. <laughs> Honored to be back. So thank you. No, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And we know that Jacqueline, you have an event later today. So you're not only dialed up, but uh, you know, you're taking time out of this busy day to be with us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I know it's not easy when you have well, other do. things on your mind. Thank you. So um, I'm just going to throw some questions out to this panel. Uh, we're all veterans. We've all been in the industry for a long time and and made our marks. So I think that um, I'd just like to ask you some questions based on you know your experience, if you will. No, there are no wrong answers. First, I'd like to ask you about transparent partnerships. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to ask you if you think the industry is going this way, and if so, what are the implications? So do you believe in transparent partnerships? Could I start with you, Jacqueline? Sure. And I guess we need to be a little more transparent about what the transparency means. Oh. Um, so I, I, I mean, I'm assuming, you know what happens when you assume that it, it could mean many different things based on the partnership and the relationship and what the project actually entails, whether it's logistics, whether it's internal between the entities, whether it's financial, whether it's telling the client, which really we should all be transparent with our client and explaining how we're all set up and operating their businesses. And, mm -hmm. and probably Lenny and I have done a lot of that often here with our good and close friend, um, Michael Cervelli and being transparent. 
Uh, but whether it's them or any other vendors, and this was something that we felt we were doing a lot of during, excuse me, pre-pandemic and during the pandemic, just to give you an example of how it worked, we were telling clients and all of us, we furloughed companies, uh, employees, excuse us, unfortunately. Um, we had to do whatever we could when the business came in, like your, um, your um, what was it before that you called it? Your cocktail, your, what, what was that? My tipsy. Your tipsy. I see where my mind is yeah. at. But that when you want to take business that's coming in so we can make sure that we have the revenue. But we explained to clients that, yes, the team that we had in the past are furloughed. So we're being transparent with you, client, and letting you know our team is not just made up of who actually works and is employed by the company, but is the friends and family, just like people that are here. Actually, Anthony, we did this a million years ago when I worked with you on the West Coast. We yes. said our team is made up of XYZ company or Bellata or uh, with Lenny's company. And this is how we're working. And they're part of our team. It doesn't necessarily mean that everyone needs to be employed and have the same domain on an email. And being transparent and explaining to clients, that's a way to grow a business and to grow your project and bringing in the right people shows them that you can be many things to many people. I always think that all things to all people sounds negative, but we're able to service parts of your project when we bring the right people that are external, internal into our company and work alongside them. Mm -hmm. And you should never be, we should never as an industry and community be shy to explain that to a client and always make them think that they're all part of our company. Those days of don't hand your business card out at the meeting are long gone. It's promote who you are. I'm honored to say that we're working with these people. And the clients should know by the way you're presenting it, that it is a positive mm. um, um, expertise that you're bringing to the table and the event by bringing partnerships to the to the event in a transparent manner. Yeah, I would... Uh... I would jump in for a minute there and just uh, totally agree with Jackie on that too. I think transparency, of course, is very important. Defining what that is and, and knowing who you're speaking to, uh, certainly letting them know who all the players are that you're involved with certainly lends credibility, not only to you, but to uh, the way that you operate your business. You know, we've always heard the phrase, you're known by the company that you keep. So I think that it is important for clients in particular to understand this is who I am, this is what I do. And in order for me to do that successfully, these are the people and the players that are important for me to have a seat at that table. Uh, so to Jackie's point, there are many times that I'm working with a, with a client or a customer. And once you understand what their needs are, then I can identify who within my circle of trust are the are the players that need to be involved in that mm -hmm. particular project? So I think that it's um, it's first understanding who you're speaking to, what you're speaking about, and then telling them, okay, this is who I'm going to bring on board, and the reasons why I'm bringing those people on board because they have expertise in a certain area. So more to more to add, Doreen. I think trans, as everybody said, it's like how we're defining it. You know, um, you all are talking more of on a, a bigger event, the overall event planning level. I'm talking more about the entertainment level where, you know, agent-friendly website, agent-friendly promo, mm -hmm. agent-friendly. Mm -hmm. I mean, that light, days of agent-friendly are really gone. It's got to be like, you have to know your client and have a client that understands transparency. It's not going to go around your back. Like your relationship has to be good that you can have a client that can understand and be trusted with transparency as well as the people you're employing. So establishing that framework up front is and and choosing those clients. You know, sometimes they're bad clients. You know, and no matter what, they're going to go around and try to figure everything out. Mm -hmm. um, 
So it's, it's betting, having the right people in place that can understand the value of what you're bringing to the table so that the transparency works because they're going to say, well, why do I have you? Don't have you. I've experienced a lot with my acts, like, you know, with television or shapeology, like, you know, there's a price for it, but then you've got people who are trying to like find out what it is, go around you. And I've got to work harder at protecting my person who's being transparent, but also making sure that the person is being fair in what, how they're representing me. That makes so sense. I- Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that Lenny really touched on it when he said uh, his circle of trust. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'd like to ask you, what what does it take to be in your circle of trust? And and what would you give back to be in somebody else's? You want to start, uh, Lenny? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think that that's a great question. I mean, you know, again, as I said, by the company that you keep, I we all have had opportunities to work with individuals over the years and you learn pretty quickly if you have the same rhythm rhythm if you have the same cadence if you have the same uh values with those other individuals uh knowing that you come from a a place of integrity knowing that you're the kind of person who does what you say that you're going to do and that you know that you you have to extend that hand of trust and I enter all of those situations, you know, as an open book. And, you know, if somebody then, of course, shows me that they're not trustworthy or that that they're acting in ways that I don't feel are uh, in alignment with the way that I operate, then I, I know that that's probably not someone that's going to be a long-term collaborator with me. Uh, to Doreen's point, yes, there are always people who are going to go around, whether it's a, a client that's going to go around mm-hmm. on the other side and try to find an act on their own, or it's the act that, that after you've uh, you know spoken to them about it, then they go and they book directly. You learn a lesson each time that that happens, and you very quickly identify who are the people that you trust and who you don't. Yeah, totally. I, I would love to just expand one little part about that with the trust, because for us, it's not so much um, where clients are always trying to go around and get to that vendor directly. The clients might say, for those of you that don't know, I, I own New York City's longest independent and locally owned destination manager company. So in addition to doing events with the destination management side, let's say we're hiring someone like Odorine to do entertainment. But a lot of times clients will say, well, we could call the restaurant direct and the price is going to be this. Or I know that I've booked a coach and it's going to cost that. And we say to them, yes, you are 100% right. That is not what we're providing you is just calling the restaurant or calling the coach company. We are providing full level of service. So if you want to do that directly and pay less money, that makes perfect sense. We exist because of the value that we add to that. So going towards what Lenny was saying, that's the trust. We don't necessarily, either you trust us to do it with you. I don't even think it's a matter of trust. If you want to invest in us to engage us, to service you and be part of your team. And maybe we're even doing transparent pricing where it's, here's the cost. You call the venue, we call the venue, but here's our fee to service it. And then it's really up to you client to make the decision what you want to do. It even goes back Anthony, with what you were talking about with the tipsy, you got to keep looking for business. Even when you're busy, say to your clients, here's what our fees are to service you. That doesn't mean what the entertainment's going to cost or the, and I hate to use the word cost, going to be priced at because cost always sounds negative. It's going to cost you. But here's the pricing for the venue, the entertainment, the decorative design, the production. 
But separate from that, here's our fee at the top. Do you want to invest that to have us be a transparent, trustworthy partner of your team? Wrapping that all up and then moving both, forward. Both Doreen and, and Jackie hit on yeah. it too. It's defining upfront who you are, what you do, and the value that you bring to, to that to the table, okay, in that yep. situation. And if the client doesn't have buy-in from the very beginning with that, then clearly you have a challenge there with a the client. Right. I completely, I completely agree. It's, it's, it's actually, it's all about educating, right? It's educating the client on what you bring, as you said, to the table and why, yes, this might be this much money, but because you can do it yourself, but you know what you're paying me for is the years of experience and knowing the, oh shit, what's going to happen if that doesn't mm -hmm. work or, oh shit, what am I going to do when things go back? Because things can go right all the time. Mm -hmm. It's always about that Murphy's law and the years of experience you're paying someone to make sure that it's it do, it's done right. And if it doesn't do right, how are they gonna how are they gonna change in the midstream to make it happen if something goes wrong? It's, well, it's huge. I love it because what you're presenting to the client is here's my village of trusted mm -hmm. people that I work with. Here's what we can do for you. It's not about money. I mean, everything bottom line is about money, but it's not about money. It's about what we can give to you. Let us give that to you. And you're taking headaches off of people's plates and giving them an experience that if they did it themselves would probably not be in total what you can provide. Just well, yesterday, a client, oh, I'm sorry, Anthony, you're, you're the leader no, here. No, finish, finish up, finish a up. A client said to us, this is great. So you're going to bid this out. You'll come back to us with the bids. We said, absolutely not. Um, it really depends. There are subjective elements to your event and objective elements to your event. Um, and many times it might be decorative design. Do you like this? Do you like that look? But what we were providing, we said, this is our trusted vendor that we are using based on your event, on your date, where you're doing it, what we need to do. Mm -hmm. We are not bidding it out. That We've already vetted that. Before you right. even called us or emailed us or DM'd us, sometimes we're getting business those these yes. days, we knew the right partners to utilize in, in total. And there might be a, more than just one. There should be. However, based on your event, this is what we're going to utilize. So we've already done that work. If you client want to get all these bids, which we felt way before the pandemic as well, it just becomes a big waste of time just to prove something. It was such a subjective, easy element to be able to do. Let's focus on producing your event as opposed to proposing for your event. That is a big phrase that we have here. We want to be more profitable producing versus possible proposing. That, that and you're taking the agree. ego out of it, which I love. Let me, let, let me, let me get to destination management companies, if you don't mind. Um, Jackie, how has the role changed for DMCs and how do you see it evolving moving forward? Uh, well, during the pandemic, there was a lot of shakeup with a lot of the different brands for those of you that are out there and that follow that. I sometimes think us as DMCs that are either represented or bought into different brands, think about it more than our clients do. Sometimes the client is just utilizing the company in that destination because they like them. Whether it doesn't mean they're not loyal to a brand, but they want to work with that company. Um, there are some footprints that don't exist here in New York City that come to us to utilize us. Uh, but I've been very vocal with the Destination Management Coalition, the DMC Coalition, as well as the Association of Destination Management Executives International, ABNY, I'm a founding member, to explain that we, although we might, I hate the phrase compete, but be similar DMCs in a destination, 
but domestically and internationally, we need to support each other and say to that client, you looking at six DMCs in a destination where are there really six DMCs um, in a destination or, or 16 or getting multiple bids when we're all five and you know, $105 of each other on an element? I used to say 55, but I guess everything's <laughs> inflating these days. Um, is not necessarily the way we should have been operating prior and we should be operating going forward. And since we're here with event colleagues, DMCs need to present themselves and price much like event agencies do, where there are fees attached and not just here's the price of the entertainment and dare we use that word, the markup, right? You can't build yeah. all your value into a markup on, you know, one of Doreen's entertainment troops or, you know, some um, fabricated decorative design element. You, we should have fees separate from that based on the sourcing and the creating and the on-site management, the pre-coordination and production. There's so much to it. Um, and this is something that's been a, dare I say, soapbox. I mean, in my very high heels, touting to our colleagues and family that that's how we have to present ourselves. And when the client says, well, the other DMC up the street doesn't do it that way. We say, you know, we speak amongst each other and this is something that we should be doing and we should support each other, call each other when a client says, well, this is what I'm demanding from you. It's not that the client isn't always right. Our ultimate goal is to be able to service our clients while we still are having fun successful and profitable businesses. And mm -hmm. somewhere along the line, no matter whether it's destination management or anything in event production, th those need to be happily together. I, 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 agree. I agree with what you say, Jackie, in regards to being on the end where I've been marked up from like 150 to 200% mm -hmm. because of the layers from the agent to the DMC to the like BIs or merits, you know, to the client, or, you know, the layers. And then the act has the responsibility to make itself valued at that. And it's so unfair because we're told, oh, I'm sorry, we only have this, but we have to perform to this. And what you're saying is educating these clients. What is DMC? You automatically expect once you hire one, these are the, this is the service you're paying for. And if we could have come with a way to, show the client, yeah, this is what the act does cost, but because you're using us and all the resources and knowledge, just again, to education, this is why, this is the add-on to that particular app because we sourced it, we found it, we felt it was good for your theme, you know, the whole mm -hmm. transportation, whatever it may be, so. You know, I'll, I'll jump in and just piggyback at the end there. It's been a while since I've been in the DMC world, uh, but I did work in the DMCs in the past. And I think one of the challenges that has evolved over time is, is in, in what we're here, we're on the internet right now, okay? <laughs> so much is out there, so much is available. Back in the days, you were the destination expert because there was no such thing as internet research. There weren't, you know, 100,000 companies out there with websites mm -hmm. and information that you could find, you know, on your phone and TikTok and wherever it happens to be. So I think that it goes back to everybody keeps talking about educating the client, educating the client, but instilling in them uh, the reason why the value, why and what the DMC brings to the table. Because at the end of the day, the DMCs, you're, you're, you're trying to price something that's not a tangible item. And that's mm -hmm. your expertise. That is about your knowledge. That is about your, mm -hmm. your, your ability to react when something goes wrong. And when a client has to understand is that, you know, uh, pricing the intangible can be difficult. Okay. But put, look at it this way. If I had a kitchen knife, okay. And somebody said, oh gosh, I, you know what I mean? I need a heart operation. 
Well, I could hack right into them, okay? But that's probably not going to be a great outcome if I do it that way. <laughs> However, when you go to the proper surgeon who's qualified, who has the expertise, that has the training and the track record, you have a, a, a lot better outcome of that person handling your heart surgery than me with my kitchen knife. Okay, so again, it's it's making sure that people understand this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is what we have been trained to do. It's not as easy as just Googling something out there and saying, I can book it. Exactly. Sorry for that graphic example. No, it's okay. No, it's no, wonderful. Yeah. We've come a long way because yeah. at one point in our world when the internet was new, there was a concern that people would bypass us and find our acts directly or find our vendors directly. But I, I think and I hope um, what Jacqueline does in her business permeates throughout the industry in that we find and vet and develop partnerships and then rely mm -hmm. on those partnerships rather than, uh, if you will, throw a bunch of crap at the wall and uh, hope something sticks. And in doing that, you're enlisting the time and efforts of a lot of other people. Uh, and that can be that can be problematic, right? Because there's the issue of, well, we want to get this business and we want to make sure that whatever we offer works. But on the back end, we've enlisted all of these people that are now waiting for us for a decision. Right, so that we can finalize what direction we're going in. What happens to all those people that don't get that work and have put in all the time and the effort to help you get that work? So by you know selecting partners and saying to your clients, these are our partners, these are the ones that we feel will do the best job, the best outcomes for you, we've come a long way. From the let's just throw something, some crap at the wall and see what sticks. And, you know, we'll waste a lot of time doing that. I agree. Mm -hmm. I, I I will tell you, I had a project uh, a, a year ago and it was uh, away from market for me. And I was going to be in a certain destination. And I let the client know very directly in order for me to execute this program to the level that your expectation is having worked with you in the past. This is who I am partnering with, mm -hmm. and there will be no one else. This is what it's going to be. We're not going out to 50 bids, as Jack D said. This is who I've identified because they are the leader in the market. They are based there. They understand you know, the venues that we're working in, and they have the relationships in place. And when you're planning something from 3,000 miles away, that it has to be that way or it's not going to work. Is this a lesson you've learned, all of you? <laughs> Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, That's a yeah, right. I think I think it's taken to sometimes a client walking away because you've 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 told them, well, this is what Mike B is going to be to, to do this event. And you've done it for them, but they always expect more the next year, next year. Then they think, oh, I can do it. I got I, you know, I can I don't need to pay her that extra five or ten grand or whatever it may be, just to come up with ideas and stuff. Cause I can do it. But what happens then I found people come back to you. You know, mm -hmm. they do for your job, yes. right? They come back because they've actually ended up, it's like buying, it's like painting your house. You're going to go out and get 50 cans of, of different paint just to figure out what to paint it. But when you go, you go to the expert, they pick it on the first try. And you're not wasting money on all these samples, you know, so right. it's the same thing. And, and could I just for a moment, just do a shout out to Doreen. Uh, maybe you, I know Lenny knows this, maybe you do Jacqueline, but 
she she exemplifies why you want a professional on your job. She is the type of person that jumps in and makes it happen, life or death. She doesn't allow for a change of plan when you're in the middle of the plan, you know, an unforeseen change or somebody leaving when you didn't know they were going to leave. And she makes it work. And that's exactly the difference between a Doreen and somebody who just doesn't have the wherewithal and the and the ability to do that. Jacqueline, she jumped into that last I night. was just going to say, at special event, at you're special there on stage event. moderator, and next thing you know, Zareen's performer, they were, and they weren't even your performers. You jumped into the last. No, no they weren't even my performers. Right. I was Act, just blocking you, them. <laughs> that and, was hilarious. And that, that defines the difference between, when for a client to understand, the difference between somebody who is a producer, who knows how to react, and somebody who just made a call and booked mm -hmm. something. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you then this. Based on your experience as an attendee, keeping your own work aside for now, are we getting it? Do we as professionals understand how to make our events more engaging? No. <laughs> well, I think, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Zoreen. Please continue, um, Doreen. Let me just say that we can do over the top stuff. And like we can go to these events like MPI and all that. And a lot of times they're missing the mark and some things that I would never let go. You know, or I'd be like mortified, you know, as a, a having a client go through something where it should be way over the top because of who we are in the industry. The problem is, is we don't have the budgets and the things to do it right like we do when we have a client. So I feel like we don't really do ourselves justice when we have some of these meetings and try to do these general sessions. Sometimes they're not done the best they can be. The sound's off, this is not right. And it's only because they don't have the budget and the things and it really does a disservice then to everyone that's showing up. Like we should be the leaders in this. We should have the best conferences ever, but we're sort of just getting by. And it only comes down to either the budget or just, I don't know comes down to just people not caring like they do with the client. I, I think that sometimes um, we're the worst guests at events. Yes, we can be. We, yeah. We sometimes just don't walk in and we say, oh, it's not our event or it's a social event for a family or a friend. And we're just going to let it go and enjoy. And we can't let it go. You know how many times that we picked up linen or felt something on the wall or looked behind something or how that's done or sat there and said, my favorite is when people do weddings and they have this great big band, all these dancers, but they don't bring in lighting because they don't understand lighting. Like we understand lighting. So they have this band that's performing in the dark. It's the simplest thing to us that we would have lighting. But for them, I've heard this, but no one does lighting. What do you care what nobody does? Haven't you not thought to say to us, you're an event producer, what would we do? Lighting, just with lighting that wedding band would be great. So it's interesting when we go to events and we see the service or we go to, well, we see this sometimes in corporate, you go to the social event and there's that, you know, big tip jar out with cash on the bar. We, we just, we can't let it go, right? So we'll talk about it potentially to everybody and we'll comment and someone will say, can't you just come as a guest and enjoy yourself? So we have a hard time doing that. 
Um, the grass is always greener, and I'm sure we've seen things in events and saying, oops, we've probably done that before. We've all made mistakes in our events. I don't know if they're mistakes. Thank God no one gets hurt, right? No, nothing falls over, right. gets on fire. But sometimes oh. you look at things and say, ah, we, we could have done it better. I think right. that's the other challenge. We, are, we can't even at our own events say, we got through that. It was great. We're just thinking, what could we have done better? What did we miss? No yeah. wonder why this is one of the stressful parts of our of, of stressful careers that they say out there. It's because we're always trying to make something better than what it is. And sometimes we forget that the ultimate objective is making sure that the guests are having a good time. So when we say to the client, yes, the, the 20th dessert that we ordered for you did not show up. There's only going to be 19 and they start flipping out. We're saying, we'll just take care of it financially, right? Like, if the, does the guests know? You know, we got to think quickly mm -hmm. on how to make it work. So just going back to the beginning part, we're not good guests. Um, I, I do believe I'm like a puppy though. I'm out, I'm excited, I'm there. I'm not, when I say I'm a critic, I love going to Broadway. Every show I see, I love, as opposed to the critics can't get. But I think we sometimes need to take a step back and realize, you know, we aren't saving lives here and we're enriching them. And no matter what the experience is, just go with it. That, that's just, I guess, the way we should look at it. But we don't. I guess that <laughs> explains a lot as to why I never got an invite to dinner, Jackie. Well, I'm a bad guest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not cooking. We can go out anywhere. Took but this boy, well, but and you know that's that's also interesting that I have never served a table in my life. I, I I mean, obviously, this is my first job out of college and I bought it. I never worked at a catering company, but I think all of us here know good service when we get it, when we're sitting at a table, whether it be um, you know, just a casual dinner or a schmancy event. And that sometimes is what makes the food taste better. It's how the service is done. It's how Doreen was servicing that entertainment. She was just blocking it, but she was able to get in and join. So sometimes you can work with A vendor or B vendor, but the ends do the ends don't always justify the means. You're going to pick those that you want to work with that make our lives easier, which means less investment in time, which is money to get to the execution. Just because someone's this fabulous designer, if you if it takes so much to get there to get the event done, yes. you might want to work Doesn't with matter. somebody else that is so much easier to make 100%. it happen. Yep. Right? Yeah. We know we know what's great, but we also know what's unacceptable. And we right. set expectations and say, this is where you have to be. Doesn't matter how great the product is, if you're not going to deliver it in the way that it needs to be delivered, then you're also not going to be in the circle of trust. I want to ask you guys a question. What is your breaking point? Where do you throw up your hands and say, you know what? Not worth it. You may be the diva star, but I don't want to work with your divaness anymore. Uh, oh, goodness. That's an interesting one. You mean us personally or working with people? Is that the client you're talking about? Or yeah, the just, yeah. have you ever had a pro, uh, that just do you have a breaking point with a client or yeah, w with an event where you you just have to be done? You just have after, to walk away after the 12th proposal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, 12 revision. You get to the point you'll try, you'll try. You know, well, like, talking, <laughs> talking about what the DMCs did uh, during this pandemic is that. We'll give you the first proposal. We'll tweak it and change some things here. And then proposals is another big misnomer. What does it include? Is it a 50 page deck with a lot of decorative or is just some logistics of pricing? But putting that aside, we'll give you the second proposal. At the third proposal, are you engaging us to do this event? We might not know if we're doing the red or the blue, the high or the low, the 10 or the 20, the chicken or the lobster, but 
Are you engaging us to do the event? Because now there's no more proposals. Now we're producing your event or your project right. or your program, whatever you want to call it. Now you have to hire us and then we'll figure out all those parts. Those are not needing your proposal. So we constantly are asking clients, what, what does the proposal mean to you? And they'll say, do not send me a deck. Just give me some prices and a list and an email. Love it, right? Less investment. We all realize our profit better. So we have to make sure that, that, that we're giving them what they want, but the breaking point, Lenny, you're right. We all, just, we're going to keep doing it because we are feeling we're going to get it. How many are bidding? Is it just us? And yeah. some people always say, well, when the contract gets signed, I don't know about you, but sometimes we don't even get a contract signed until after the yeah. event. You, right? you said something that I, I, I'd like to go back to because it's genius. And I bet none of us are doing what you do. What does the proposal mean to you? What are you looking for? What do you expect mm -hmm. to see? You ask that question, Jacqueline, mm -hmm. you clarify it. You don't do too much work because you you know, second guess yourself, you know exactly what they want. It's genius. Yep. It's something we could all learn from actually, because. Does, do any, does anybody over here um, like ask for a retainer before doing all the creative? Well, I think Jacqueline is talking yeah. about just that after a couple of proposals for a third one, I think that's basically what she's saying is, okay, at this point, shit or get off the pot. Right. Mm -hmm. Either well, hire I mean, like, yeah, but like looking at your work and who you are, I mean, they're hiring you for you, your work and your ability to create. I mean, I, I know where you, I, I've had both things happen to me where I've done proposals after proposals and do I have the job and I give them all my ideas and they do it on their own. And I, I, I did it so much. I'm so over it. Um, what I learned with like some of our acts, like say, for example, television or whatever, I don't even do a proposal. You either like it and you want to hire it and then I'll do the proposal or I won't or, or not because I, I found how to work smart a little bit and sometimes it works for me and sometimes it does but it saves so much time in the long run with from, an act like that you can do that because it got so much exposure on America's Got Talent and after that show that you could you were in a position to say look here's the act you've seen it you know what it can do if you like it we'll will work up an estimate. But when you're proposing something as you do quite a bit, Doreen, which is unseen, unexperienced, it's coming at you for the first time, that's the trouble, right? Because you're basically giving away the idea. Now, will it be executed the same way? Likely not, but does that matter? Does that matter anyone on this panel? Whether it's executed as well at the end of the day? Nah, I, well. So I'll give you a perfect, I won't, I won't name names with this one. I'll give you a perfect example. I was in a bid situation, which I knew that we were being bid uh, for a, um, a hotel and it was for a temporary uh, remodel uh, of a lobby that they needed just a temporary environment created so that it, they wouldn't see the instruction. And they went out to bid and we bid and, you know, they wouldn't of course give you a budget. So, but you know, you want the job. So you think, okay, well, we'll go in there. And then when they come back and they say, oh my God, well, you were so high. Okay, well, tell me where you wanted to be. And when they come back with a number that is less than 50% of what, of what you had proposed, you have to have the realistic conversation that says, this, this doesn't, this isn't going to work. So what you're asking for doesn't fit within a realistic parameter of what can be done. And I come to find out that uh, none of us that were bidding got the project and they decided to keep it in-house and let their engineering team do oh, it. God. 
Okay. So yeah. again, it just shows you now what they produced was not what we would have produced and it wasn't what our competitors would have produced or anything like that, but they got some kind of a temporary uh, enhancement while construction was going on. Not what I would have done, not what I want to do. Does it change outcomes for them? Do you think, is there a subliminal effect? Is there any impact at all? And is that what we fight in our business being creatives? The fact that people don't notice the difference? I think so. I think, I think it's subjective. You know what I mean? What, what we see in our mind's eye and what we know to be really well done and well executed is it's what that's our, our thought and our process but not everybody sees those details, okay? Right. Now, what we would have proposed for this particular organization uh, was incredible. And it would have looked great and nobody would know that they were walking through a construction zone. Now, the moment that you just put up some dusty black drapes that just hang there, everybody knows well, something's going on here. But right. we were talking about facade <laughs> walls that were branded with hedges and all kinds of stuff put together. But again, they didn't want to go to that and they don't care. Okay. Because the customers, the like, sure. they don't want to invest the money. They don't care. So but, Jacqueline, oh, go ahead, please fin finish. Yeah, well, and, and that case, it, it sometimes it depends what the client's hot button is, right? There's yeah. some other clients that aesthetically would have invested that money. That would have been so important. Others, they're not. So our job, we can't say it's wrong to do the, the black drape. Yeah. Right, and you couldn't do the nice, pretty facade. It we have to then it worked, right? It did it what it had to do. It was right. functional. Yeah. So when you were talking about us being creatives, we're such logistics people, right? The logistics are you had to cover that up. Does it gonna look really nice and pretty, or is it just gonna be functional for them to get through? And then it depends on who the guests are and what their objective is. Maybe they're spending money elsewhere. And as much as we ask what you want your proposal to look like, you know, we're also asking them, when do you want to buy early next week? What day and what time? When do you want to hear the ding on your email? We are so deadline focused here to make sure that we're asking them when they want it. Sometimes when they say ASAP, they don't mean tomorrow. They mean two weeks from now. Right, you can think right. different people, so you right. got to ask that. But also ask them, we talked about your event and what you're looking to do. What is your financial investment? What, what is this value to you? I, I don't know. Yeah. So you might say, is this a $500,000 event? Oh, no, no, no. We were thinking about to spend about $35,000. They're going to always answer. And then you're able to say, well, here's what we can do. And Doreen, when you asked about a retainer before, we're, we're not necessarily charging for proposals. Potentially, you want to engage them, as Anthony said. Are you hiring us now? Then we'll figure out right. you know, which ballroom or which color we're going to do. However, we just recently, uh, and I always think by example, uh, is that we said to a client, based on what you're looking to do, here is our fee of what it's going to be to source, design it, costume, rehearse, be on site, pre-coordinate, everything that we need to do, entertainers, decorative design, our fees. How does that look to you? That's before we even price out, is the band gonna be you know, 5,000 or 25,000? Right. And they, for them, they couldn't even wrap, pardon me, their legs around it because they didn't understand the fees. So, but we're gonna get paid whether we get you a 5,000 or $25,000 band. Right. Our right. fee is not commensurate with what you want to invest financially on the element. You're hiring <laughs> us. Do you think clients, this is an interesting thing because I've been toying with how to redo how I do things. Besides the acts, I do do like, I put together shows and things and there's different elements. And 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 I, I don't know if doing a group, like one one number works, like, okay, I'll package it all together or hey, no, my fee for Doreen or our company is XYZ, you know, and then 
each item, I will, I will line item. Do we line item the items and give them a fee? So no matter what, you get paid that amount. I mean, like, is that the way to really to go instead of? I don't know. We could have a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's a whole thing. Yeah, that's that's tricky because you're automatically saying to people in order to get this person, this this act, you're also going to be paying my fee which is in addition. And while they're already paying your fee to get that act now, they don't see it that way. And that's the whole, that's the, that's the conversation about how much and how, how uh, uh, transparent should we be in our pricing? Because they're, they don't, they won't see your value if you present it that way. I know. And that's hard because you really, that's what you want to teach them is this is why you're coming to me is because I'm, or you or whoever is that you, we're, we're, we're able to think of these ideas, put them together and make them all work and get the best pr- presentation to you. But in order for us to do that, like I can't base my fee, like I, I get paid. If you pick that $50,000 ban and I get 20% off of that, or you're going to pick a $5,000 ban and get 20%, but I'm still doing the same amount of work. You have to I mean, have that separate you, line you, item you, fee, whether it's percentage or it starts at a minimum. Yeah. Pain in the tuchus fee. You're adding percentages. You know, think of, we don't do day rates <laughs> hourly here, but what does it take for you to get a call, work on it, be on site to manage it? What is it? You know, is it 500 bucks? Is it 2,500 bucks? Is it $25,000? Someone has to figure what those value is at, at a minimum. Right. And, and how many phone know, calls do you do? Of course, and that cost off. plus scenario, that works. You know, it's not a hidden markup. It might be cost plus. Everything that we're going to give to you, either it's cost or it has fees built in. And then the plus percentage, a lot of clients, a lot of corporate clients work in percentages. They just, they get it. They understand it. It makes mm-hmm. sense to them. Um, I will state this because I know we're not supposed to price fix, you know, on meetings like this, but if the server in a restaurant at the minimum usually is like a 20% gratuity, mm-hmm. just keep that in mind when clients are beating you up for other percentages that are less than that. Like the server that you just met, that's pouring you, that's making 20%, no matter what, what level of price of wine you get, then you should think that we're going to be, you know, above that. And clients don't really understand how, what prices should be, what percentage of the project should be for us. But in a, in the agency world, not necessarily the high end agency world, but in the agency world, it it is appropriate to say plus twenty percent or plus ten percent, and or and that is higher than way, twenty, right? Yeah. That is a way to get around that without denoting additional fees, just giving them a percentage. Yep. And then when they ask what that's about, then you can go into well, this is the service and and what you get. That's what it costs for me to get dressed and come out of the house. That, that's right. exactly it. The right. agency, put on those fabulous shoes. <laughs> the agency is going to have fees, you know, fees for logistics, pro- producers, et cetera. But then that you're running it through your company. No one should put any money through their company that there is not money when we right. say being made right. on profited. And that's covering you to put the money through the company. And there's no shame in saying, we say it all the time, our prices match our level of service, which is at the utmost. Does that mean if you're saying, oh, could you help me out? Of course we can help you out because we're looking at the bigger picture about what it is and what you're essentially doing with us. And could we throw something in for you or help? help? No one should be doing anything for free, but helping them out and reducing a fee because that's a hot button for them. Yeah. And a lot of clients have creative accounting. It, we do a lot of pharmaceutical. They can't necessarily spend more than X yeah. dollar per person for dinner, but they can have a venue rental fee and, yeah. and do it that way. So there's a lot of different ways to price depending on, again, asking your client, 
do you want this cost plus built in? So when they say, well, is that centerpiece actually worth 150 bucks? Well, no, because we had to send someone to the market and they had to buy all those little goofy things you wanted to stick in it. So there's labor, there's yeah. tipping people back of house. There's stuff that goes into it that if you don't, again, we all say this, when you walk in by the shirt, you don't ask them what each button costs. They don't tell you, right? It's, mm-hmm. it is what it is. So, you know, it's funny. I, I just brought something point. to my mind. I saw an interview many, many years ago. It was Dolly Parton and somebody mentioned something to her that she got paid a million dollars to do some event or a corporate event or something like that. And her response was, she's like, you know what? It's like, people don't understand. It costs a lot of money to look this cheap. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see that movie on um, Prime Video? Um, The Red, it's called Red. It's it's an impersonator's life of being Dolly Parton. I'll get it to you after this. Oh God, that sounds fabulous. So good. That's fair. We all have our own brands. So when, when, when clients say, wow, you you know, you're really expensive say, but do you have respect for us? Like for the work that we do? Because if you do, and you give us this opportunity, it's a client that we work with a lot, but they're always like, oh, your price is so expensive. We're going to help you out here. What, what could we do? What's a happy medium? What do you want to spend on this? You're giving us a lot of other projects. We'll help you out on this one. We'll do something for the future. So we should always be asking how many other companies you're looking at? Are they companies just like us? Obviously, Doreen, if, if a client's looking at you direct or even a DMC, the price that they're going to pay for the entertainment through us is going to be more expensive. They go to you direct. We've known that already. We talked about that at the top of the call. It's where do we fit in? Where, where are we going to be helping you? What's, what's your pain point that we could take the pressure off? Otherwise, yeah, they can go online and created all their own it's it's look we come full circle in that topic already yeah i think doreen also um has to battle the uh syndrome of the the producer syndrome everybody's a producer everybody calls themselves a producer and Mm. and it's hard to to uh differentiate yourself when you're dealing with that but you have a breadth of work uh, behind you and the skills to understand that if the timing isn't exact, then all of the money that you spend on this, on this entertainment is for naught because it won't come across the same way. If there are gaps, if there are issues, it's not going to permeate the same way. It's a much harder sell because people don't quite understand that we really are so um, uh, trained from a theatrical point of view and a television point of view to expect breaks to happen at certain times, certain cadences to happen, shows to start a certain- Totally, totally that cadence thing, yeah. Right, but it's something that not everybody understands. It's Mm -hmm. something that you understand very clearly. And so that for you is a selling point because- there's the value. Spend fifty thousand on entertainment on your own, but if it doesn't come across, you've just wasted fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars when all it would have taken is a few thousand more to really make it work. Right. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Just, I, you know, Alex. Before when you would ask, "What does it take us to throw our hands up?" Um, and we don't like to say no to anything. Right. Uh, we we especially in this climate that we're still in. We're mm-hmm. also emerging from this pandemic. Whenever, when all of us say, oh my God, we're so busy, it's because it's coming at us fast and us and our vendors just don't have the bandwidth as we used to, uh, but we don't want to say no. We don't want to price ourselves out either, but if we give the value of that fee and then the client says no, then it's almost that 
we drove it. We gave you our pricing. If you don't want to invest in it, we didn't say, no, we don't have time for you or we don't want your business. We've given you the price and it is, that's what it is. And you, you have an opportunity to come back. I hate negotiate. It always sounds negative, but what can we do to make it work better? But the time that I really uh, fired a client was when they made um, our employees cry. Mm. And you know what? I, I might cry and I have no shame in explaining. I cry and it gets overwhelming at times, even though I'm this, you know, big New York city girl. Um, and it gets overwhelming and it, you know, simmers to the top. But when a client is talking about what should be a fun event and you're beating our team down to make them cry, that's uncalled for. So mm-hmm. we got rid of the client and then we called all the other companies and said, this client's going to call you. She has business. She's in the industry. I'm not telling you not to take it. I just want to let you know. And you know what? The other companies actually told that to the client and said, just so you know, be- before you call this, Jack did calls and tell you what happened. And that's about community. That's why mm-hmm. we're here together. Um, you know, a client once called and said, another company screwed up. They missed my VIP at the airport. So I'm coming to you. I said, well, I'll tell you right now. We're never going to guarantee we're not going to miss your VIP at the airport. So that's, that's I not love how we that you get all business. have each other's backs and that's, that's what it good. should be. We should all be supporting one another. And uh, you, and you express that brilliantly. Thank you. Right. I, we appreciate it. Clients come and go, but we remain together. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we have the saying in, in, with my team and we always make it work. And so I wonder, are we, how, how culpable are we for the, for our clients' behaviors and the things that they expect from us? Uh, are we culpable? Are we mm-hmm. part of the problem? Mm-hmm. Cause we just I keep giving. We, yeah. At times, I guess we can contribute to it, but it is, it's about managing the end client, managing the expectations and doing also what's fair on both sides. And I'll, I'll, during, I'll, I'll speak from an entertainment perspective, you know, clients sometimes ask for things that I know are absolutely unreasonable and I would never ask an entertainer or anybody to do. And so as the middle person or the producer, or the DMC, whoever you are, you have a responsibility to, to say, this is how far we can go and this we will not do. It's not even open for conversation. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You're not there. No, they're not gonna play for four hours straight with no breaks period, Mm -hmm. not going to happen. So I think that we also have a responsibility to manage the client, manage expectations. I completely agree. I think that's how we got to where we are today with some of the issues. I think we definitely contribute because we're creative. We always want to please. We want to, you know, do our best. I do think too, though, we also are trying to, are culpable because there are so many people coming up that think, they know everything. These new producers or new people who say they're DJs or say they're produ- or say whoever they are, because they haven't, as I said, gone through the experience. And so we're we don't want to lose our we don't want to lose our clients to these people. But sometimes you just got to like let it go because yes. um and and not keep feeding into well you know because they'll they'll find maybe a person one time that'll say yeah I can do that yeah I can do it yeah sure sure from it. But at the end of the day, they'll they'll come back. They'll come back, and I think having enough faith in yourself to be able to let it go, and then have them return, hopefully. And if they yeah. don't return, That's you didn't right. want them anyway. That's right. Yeah, it's <laughs> taken me a long time to get to the point where I understand I am not going to be the right fit for everyone, and mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm I've come to peace with that. Okay. There's not everybody that that should be my client. Let it go gracefully. What What's yeah. the saying? It might not be every everyone's cup of tea, but I'm. Someone's uh, glass of vodka. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 that's that's so that's so true, Lenny. For us to not only 
have the respect of whatever the client wants. Let's try to service it and do right by them. Mm -hmm. And saying that's not in your scope of service originally. So we're going to add, I always joke, we're going to add 20 bucks or 2000 bucks, whatever it is to get it done. But also we have to have respect for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think we're, we're the hardest on ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just as, as an aside, we've had events where we went back to the caterer and said, you know, the, the menu you did last week, let's do that exact menu next week. We're going to go back to the same venue. We're going to do it. Everyone said, well, why? We've done it before. I said, who cares? There's no shame in repetition. The event worked great for that client for ABC. Now we're going to do it for XYZ. We're going to realize more profit and it's going to be an easier ride to get there to repeat it. We sometimes go out of our way to try to outdo ourselves when guess what? We did a great event already. And it there was interesting and it was yeah. logistically well run. So run with it. There are some people in the industry that have a challenge with that. I, for one, do not. I love rinse and repeat. Okay. Yes. It's great. Yes. Do I love to do something that's new and cutting edge when you have the right client for it? Yes. But once it's tried and true, you know what? Don't broke it. Don't break yep. it. Excuse yep. what I mean. Yeah. I, it's I, good. I, yeah. I agree. I think our egos can sometimes get to us, especially if we're performers. You know, like that's that's another thing. It's like, oh, what? Well, we could do it this way this time. Or, you know, and, and I say, you know, right now getting older, the older I get, the more I just want to repeat because I'm working smarter. Yeah. Anthony, you um, should know that's this. That's it. You're Come working on. smarter. Anthony would know this too. Come on. How many charts can you have written? The, the act is the act. You can't put a new song in every week. You know what I mean? Or a whole new show every week. This is the basic of what we do. You know? And especially for us, where each time we do an event, yeah. it's never going to be the same. Right. Especially if you're doing it for different clients. So you're tweaking it, you're making it better, you're adding, deleting, whatever it may be. And when you're doing something with a repeat client, we used to always say, we hope we never add anyone to our accounts receivable list, but we increase the accounts receivable for those that are on our list. Right. right? right. So when you right. get to work with a client and you can look back, we've had some clients we work with for over 20 years and we have the historical project could say, you remember what we did that thing? Okay. We're not going to do that, but we're going to do this. Are the guests the same? You can even do it with the same client. The guests aren't the same. Why should we recreate it? We're, we're all, we've talked about the pricing and driving ourselves crazy. There's nothing wrong with it. So for, for years, I used to have that issue with internal events for a hotel. You know, you'd have hotel people say, oh, but we saw those couches already. And we saw, you saw them. Right. <laughs> That's great. But nobody else saw them. It was about you. you. Know? Yeah. Who are you? It's not about you. We saw those linens already. Okay, we'll see them again. Right. Them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's another thing we talked about us not always being, or at least we, I said it, and we all talked about not being the best guests. We sometimes have, we forget that the guests at the events are not like us that go to events all the time mm -hmm. and, ex and get those experiences. Right. So we, we have to, that's where we always have to ask a lot of questions of the client, as opposed to just showing up with our stuff, our GAC, our gear. So we know we're doing it for the right audience. It, it does seem like that's one of the ways that we get in our own way mm -hmm. is that we, we not of course us on the phone, but we <laughs> tend not to listen and we, we decide that things need to look a certain way or feel a certain way when that's not necessarily the call at all. Uh, and and likewise, I think when we say to a client, that's just not possible, there's always a little voice in the back of our head saying, oh, but maybe it is possible and maybe somebody else could make it possible while you're saying it's not possible. It's so hard to say because the, you could be proved wrong, right? 
And then where are you? But I think when we stick to our guns and we are able to uh, communicate our value as you do so brilliantly, Jacqueline, I think you should teach at TSE that strategy of how you do proposals and how you, you, uh, you give yourself value uh, and you communicate your value. That's key because we lose that sense in ourselves. And as veterans, you would think, you know, the little, the young ones are looking at us thinking, oh, wow, they must feel really good. You know, they've got it going on their businesses or they, they own businesses. No, we worry probably more than we did 30 years ago, right? It's, no it's not easy. Yeah, I, I, I know that, and, and I'm honored that you said that, Anthony, and I know that I've always loved to be not as so much a teacher, but an engager and enlightening her. Enlightening her, I enlighten by explaining by what we've done. And again, I, I also believe I'm very fortunate that I get to do what we do in New York City because we get to be a little more brash and a little more... Um, Listen, Klein, here's how this is going to work. Does this work for you? <laughs> right. And probably you can't not you can't do that in many places. Right. Um, I mean, we've said to clients, we're not putting an entire deck together with all those ideas. We're going to throw right. some pictures in the email. Let us know what you're thinking. And then we'll start moving along that way. And and again, not to sell ourselves short and not to take away from those that have a whole you know, development team that are doing proposals. But a proposal is what your client needs. And sometimes they just need some quick pricing. And, yep. and ask them, are we bidding? Guys, we're just using you. I don't have time to think about it, but this is what I need in order to get, move it forward. Um, so I, I think the pandemic was a positive for, uh, again, not taking away from everything and people that we lost and everything that we all went through. However, it gave us a chance to relook at what we were spending so much time doing that you didn't necessarily, you don't need all that time to do that to make it happen. We had a client call us last Thursday and we produced the event Thursday night the same day oh, within goodness. hours we found the venue we customized it it would have projection mapping we got the entertainment we got the staff we could have talked about that event for months and that and any of us on this call could have done that so we just have to i think ask the right questions and just um try to take stock of what our value is worth and then hopefully they'll pay it and we can always massage it and make it work we don't want to say no but how can we get done together together there you go love that yeah it's a good way to mm -hmm. Good point. So I think we have to wrap up, but I just love to ask if, if any of you have a war story that you wouldn't mind sharing from maybe when you were green in the, in the industry, <laughs> uh, something that maybe changed the way you do things or taught you a lesson that you will never forget, or maybe just scared the crap out of you. Oh boy. That's a good one. I have a wow. short, small, crazy one. Yeah, yeah. Good, go for it. At, at Empire, there's no such thing as your events on that Tuesday, or there's no such thing as your event is, you know, on um, May 9th. It's Tuesday, May 9th. Everything has a day and a date because one of our team once bought about $10,000 worth of theater tickets, or maybe it was 15 on whether it be the, the right number date, but not the right day of the week. However it was, it got screwed up because it wasn't confirmed. Andrea Michaels tells a great story about this, how there was loading in and it just was the wrong date. So we, we do not send anything out unless it has the date, the day and the date. Yeah. So you could just be ultimately sure. We do I, the same yeah. thing, Jacqueline. Yeah, I guess so. I think the only <laughs> thing that I, uh, that I was, that came to mind immediately as, as you asked this question is, I think just, you know, so we've all had a cue that has gone wrong, 
Okay. It happens. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're running a live show, things go wrong or whatever. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was supposed to be putting uh, uh, a politician and a CEO on stage. And mm -hmm. I was told that they were ready. Okay, great. So we had a video roll that was supposed to go and it went. And even though I was told via headset that they were ready, it didn't mean that they were ready at that moment to walk on because someone had to use the little boys room and mm. they disappeared and now video is already rolling and you know you only have 90 seconds <laughs> right, so, we so you're stuck with that you know what are you going to do you either have to stop the show or you have to re-roll the video or you have to put in it you have to make a call and go from there and it's i guess the lesson there is um until you have them directly in front of you ready to push them out on stage we're not calling any cues. Mm -hmm. Good one. Thank that's, you. That is, that's, think, that's way more serious. Thanks for I, coming in there, I, that Lenny. No, I don't know. I don't know what's more serious. You're setting up the event and it's the wrong date or? That's the, CEO, the CEO's in the restroom. Or the CEO's <laughs> uh, doing pee-pee. Yeah. Exactly. I think for me, it's been, um, there's, there's been a few, but I think a big one has been making sure you have um you know, you try to educate a client why you need to come in a day early for a rehearsal, like the day before rehearsal, because um, I try to please a client and do a show in a morning and the client, the next client was like, I really want you to come in the day before. And I'm like, oh no, it'd be fine. We're going to be in the same time zone with the fly there, you know, and did the show in the morning and got in the plane. And then I, the planes just didn't go. So we couldn't mm -hmm. get there in time for rehearsal. And then the show was the next morning. And basically we got there at midnight in Vegas, rehearsed till three o'clock in the morning, got up at five o'clock in the morning and did the show at eight o'clock in the morning, lucked out, but I will never double book like that again. Like I'd rather lose yeah. the business and not say yes to somebody because you're depending on so many other things with airlines. And that was almost like, I will never do that again. Good For lessons, good so lessons good. learned, yes. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and uh, your knowledge with our audience. Uh, this is a great panel. We could go on forever. I could sit yes. here forever with some tea. Uh, yeah. Some tipsy. Great some tipsy. <laughs> no, the tipsy. The tipsy. The tipsy. Ooh, tipsy. tipsy. You need the to vodka. make your tipsies tipsy. Right. You're the vodka in my tea, Jacqueline. God. <laughs> <laughs> this is an honor. An honor for us to do to do this together. We we've yeah. all had such mutual admiration and worked together alongside together, cocktail together, grown up together, been at events together. So thank you for giving us a place to have our voices heard. Excellent. Yeah. What, an, uh, what a fun, fun afternoon. I'd love to come back and, and do it again. I can't believe this is my first time with you guys. Yeah. I, I can't be believe it's your first time for anything. I know. <laughs> <laughs> She's a virgin. <laughs> well, let's do so it again. Much. It's on you, Anthony. We're it's pretty on us. Yeah, we're open. Being it's belotified. Um, I've been now. You've yes, all been yes. belotified. Hmm. I like it. I love you all. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank your team for what for an exceptional job behind the scenes and making all of this work. The magic yes. behind everything. I have a great team. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash 
podcast. Balada Fight is a production of Balada Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Balada. Stay engaging. <laughs> we, we, we think we've decided that tipsies are like cocktails. So, Chaim, salud. That was perfect. Cheers. Fabulous. Yes. Fabulous. <laughs>